Today's pod, you knew it. I've got just a blowtorch to the Ridley takes on the suspended wide receiver for gambling. We're going to talk about that story and the quarterback class and just some other stuff with Danny Cannell, catching up with the old radio partner. We got about 40 seconds on Aaron Rodgers and life advice. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA final starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older. 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit rg help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday. I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. we got to talk Calvin Ridley. We have to talk Calvin Ridley. Biggest story of the news yesterday, uh, NFL receiver Ridley with the Atlanta Falcons. Played five games for him last year. Remember, took uh, some time away, wanted to work on his mental health. So, he was on the non-football injury list. And during that time in November, he bet some parlays on an app. He had a three-teamer in there, five-teamer, eight-teamer. He said he lost only 1500 bucks. Um, this was tracked because he put his own information into the app and then the NFL works with different places to kind of just look over this stuff and they were like, hey, this player, active player, he's betting on NFL games and you get banned for a year. Uh, you can't do it. All right. It sounds really simple and there are very few things I think in life that we should all be able to agree on, but this should be one of them. If you're an active player in your league, you can't bet on those games. You just can't. I mean, this is the reason why we talk about Pete Rose having a lifetime ban now for decades. Okay, you cannot invite speculation into the legitimacy of your product if the outcomes are the product. I think that's pretty clear. But I knew it. I knew it. I'm like, okay, let's see who's got what. Let's see them all. Let's see who has the worst takes on Ridley being suspended a year. My Florio Emmanuel Acho parlay smashed. I was like, oh, here we go. All right, Florio was arguing with Albert Breer, um, and essentially Florio had said, look, the league is earning millions through the peddling a consumer product that it won't let players consume. It's a tad effed up. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. And by the way, the league made, according to Florio last year, $270 million in revenue from gambling partnerships. Okay, it's everywhere. We're part of it. I'm probably going to throw this open to an ad about placing your own same-game parlay. If you're an NFL player who's active, don't bet on games in your league. But you don't have to worry about that right now because you're not in season. And by the way, Florio himself pointed out 
It's great for football, but it comes with an inherent warning for the current stewards of the game. If some of that revenue isn't devoted to ensuring the accuracy of calls, protecting inside information, preventing corruption of coaches, players, and officials, and otherwise safeguarding the integrity of the game, the league will be stepping into a bear trap eventually. So Florio himself last year was warning that, you know, hey, you can't invite in this gray area. And then you have a player who bets, who does the thing that you wanted protection against. You're saying it wasn't that bad. But the worst one was probably Emmanuel Acho, who posted a video. And look, he just wanted the retweets, but it was a video of Ridley cutting off some routes a little short of the sticks. Uh, I don't think it's entirely fair. Maybe, maybe there's something there. You know, maybe the story gets bigger, but I don't know that it's entirely fair to post the video and then speculate as if there's this, well, who knows? He was short of the sticks there. Why did he cut off that breakaway route against Kansas City? What happened there? I'll admit, even if it looks a little weird, it's a little weird, but I also think it's entirely unfair to do to Ridley. But hey, again, people have made a career after just retweeting other people's fucking videos. So I'm not entirely surprised that it happened. And then that turned into a whole thing and then he deleted the tweet. All right. So. Here's another part of it that's worth mentioning. If the league is making $270 million this past year on gambling partnerships, guess who also makes out on that money? The players. So even though people kind of love to find hypocrisy in things, I really do. I think our society, I don't know if this is in other countries too, but it always kind of makes you feel like it gets back to my college football rant that I always go to where if you already expect to get fucked over because you get fucked over in so many different things in life that you're like, oh, hey, well, that you're a hypocrite. Like that's hypocritical. That shouldn't happen. I actually don't think this is hypocrisy. I don't think it's hypocrisy for the league to have gambling partnerships and say, hey, by the way, the reason our league is so successful is because people think it's legitimate and they're entertained, and we have these outcomes that people don't expect because it's sports and it's life and any given Sunday and all of that stuff, and that if people found out that it was fixed or if certain players were fixing games for their own personal benefit or were fixing games to get out of trouble because they were gambling with somebody that they shouldn't have been gambling with, then yeah, that would be a problem for a business that's hoping to one day generate $20 billion in revenue. I also think that the Miami Dolphins part of this is relevant, but I'm not sure it's the same thing because as soon as Calvin Ridley, which again is one of my biggest premises, we have someone who is very obvious to blame. And in this case, it's Calvin Ridley. He is the person that fucked up. It is a very nasty punishment. You're going to lose like 11 million in salary by being dismissed for the entire year. He can appeal this within days. He can ask for reinstatement in February of 2023. Okay. So just to clear that part of it up, but we have the person to blame in Ridley but then it's like, yeah, but who else can we blame? Can we blame a bunch of other people? Can we blame the NFL because of these partnerships? Can we blame uh, someone else? Can we blame society? Uh, can we blame Stephen Ross, the Miami Dolphins, who supposedly, according to Brian Flores' lawsuit, offered up Flores hundreds of thousands of dollars in bonuses to lose games on purpose to increase their draft odds, right, to, to help them get a better draft pick. I'd say that we probably taught uh, process tanking differently because we're a little bit more used to it. Sam Hinkie. Throwing games away doesn't feel the same as an NFL player betting on games in a league that he's an active member of. Uh, maybe that's just the way we process things that are different. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's kind of where we're all at, that we do pro process these things a little differently. So to get that one out of the way, I want to then pivot to this, the analogy. I like analogies. Sometimes I'm great with them. Other times I get done with them and go, that was a bit of a reach. That wasn't the best one you ever had. I tried to come up with a perfect analogy for this. What's the perfect analogy for somebody at the workplace where you know definitively there's no argument about it? You just can't do this. The ones that I came up with are subjects that I don't want to debate if they're better or worse um, than gambling on a football game. You know, I'm not sure that I want to get into that of what we know we can or can't do at the workplace. But in this case, 
for every athlete that's been a part of any, if you're an NHL player, if you're an NBA player, if you're a baseball player, if you're a football player, on and on and on, and I'm sure European soccer is the same despite all the weird shit that seemed to happen over there, it is understood. Hey, the biggest thing that you can't do, not saying it's the most important thing in the world, but for our world, you can't bet on some of these games. And the point is, I couldn't come up with a perfect analogy because this one is so obvious. This one is so obvious. You know, you could say, oh, like insider trading. Yeah, but I don't know. It's not cool, but some people figure out a way to do it. You know, real estate. Well, what if you do this? Or what if your mortgage, you do, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that you hear about that can sort of happen. And yet none of them feel as definitive of being somebody betting on games in a league that you're an active member of. So then it kind of got me thinking about like Nat Geo. All right. Now you're going to think, wait, okay, how, do we, how are we pivoting to Nat Geo? Stay with me here. You ever watch Locked Up Abroad? The story's almost always the same. It's like three guys from, I don't know, San Diego, Brett, Chad, whatever. And they're like, yeah, we were in Thailand for the summer, man. It just, you know, just didn't, the trip was unbelievable. Met a bunch of locals who were camping out on the beach, just living the life. Funds were running a little low. And, you know, we met these really cool guys from Switzerland and they were like, if you can run some tar heroin into Cambodia, you know, make some money off of it. And like, we weren't hurting anybody. So next thing you know, we're duct taping kilos of heroin to our abdomen. We get a plane and then we we land and we get busted, man. You're like, okay. And then you see the guy present day and he looks like Sam Elliott and he's only like 41. And he's like, yeah, the, the prison's over there. Not a great time. And you're at home with your wife or your girlfriend, maybe you're alone. And you watch the show and you go, well, why would you do that? You know, like maybe you get away with it, but if you get caught, you are fucked. All right. And that's kind of what I felt like today. And I, I'm going to do one more. I'm going to do one more because this one is actually perhaps the most telling, even though it's going to sound maybe the most screwed up. Because what else happens whenever anybody gets into trouble with the NFL, we go back to the Ray Rice two-game suspension by Roger Goodell. Ray Rice was punished in July of 14. Goodell's a bad public speaker. So on top of that, and then us seeing the video and how poorly the NFL handled actually getting the video on their own, they got crushed for it, deservedly so. But at the time, even though nobody likes this, the time... I don't think Goodell, I don't think the NFL, they were aware of what the reaction was going to be because there had been other people that had been suspended for domestic violence, but it was different because it felt like the world kind of changed because they saw the video that day. So the NFL is like, all right, the CBA says we could do this and this is what we did. And then it became weed suspensions versus Ray Rice suspensions for about, a, I don't know, seven years because of that one always jumps in. It's like, well, look at Calvin Ridley, but then look at weed. I'm like, all right. But then when Adrian Peterson got in trouble for hitting a boy, his son, on the genitals with a stick, which when you read those text messages, it was pretty, it sucked, man. I mean, look, it goes without saying. It was awful to read and all that stuff. And then Goodell's like, okay, so wait a minute. I got crushed for the Ray Rice part of the suspension, but now I can just say, all right, I'm going to go commissioner's exemption list, and Adrian Peterson, you're out for the rest of the season. And that was November of 14. So the November 14 suspension happened because of the reaction to the lack of suspension for Ray Rice back to July of 14. And by the way, the real punishment, Ray Rice, he never played football again. So two games, not enough games, full season, whatever. The NFL doesn't get any credit for anything, and I understand why those criticisms. And I'm not saying that two games was necessarily right. 
But what I'm saying is that you ended up getting the punishment with Ray Rice. So every one of you that tweet about Ray Rice only getting two games, the NFL gave you the punishment that you actually wanted because professionally he was done at 26 years old. The reason I bring this all up, and it's as fucked up as this is going to sound, is that we've now had, I don't know how many examples of people breaking the law, doing terrible things at home. And in this case with Ray Rice and Adrian Peterson, domestic violence and child abuse. And I don't think it's ever really hurt the product. Has it? Do you watch less football now? The ratings after a little dip, they went back up, didn't they? Projected revenues, new TV deal, all the stuff. The money keeps pouring in because the consumer has shown that you may not like it and it may bother you, but it's not going to bother you enough to change the channel. But if you were to learn, as much as everybody loves a conspiracy theory, if you were to learn that games, that the outcomes were being impacted because guys were actually betting on the games that they were in or getting inside information from a friend from a college that's on another team, if you started to hear about any gray area where you felt like the outcomes were less legitimate, that is what the NFL is protecting itself against because that might be the thing that could impact their business because unfortunately, none of the other stuff has. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. You know what I hate, hate, is after lunch, there's all this time before dinner. I hate it. So I'm always like, do I do this? It's like, you should. Gain season. Throw in a little something extra, an appetizer that just starts hours before dinner. It just gets so frustrating when there aren't great options. That's where Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps come in. Available in your choice of ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for that afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Food buddies. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Danny Cannell is with us. What's up, man? What's going on? How we doing? I uh, Usually I'm on here like hoodie and a hat and Saruti. The first thing he noticed is like, whoa, it's like the hair. It's a little bit high. I think it's more the angle of the laptop that's looking up at me. But I, uh, I have to do some on-camera stuff for the uh, franchise tag, you know, deadline and all that today after the show. But I'm actually, I actually need some advice from you. Can I, can I flip the script on you? Because I love life advice. It's a great segment. Love it. You don't listen to it. Who are you kidding? I absolutely do. I'm in a bad spot. Okay. Because um, so last... So after the end of every football season, I get a little bit loose, right? You kind of... You're traveling a lot. <laughs> You eat a lot. You're eating on the road. It's hard to stay healthy. Workouts start to fall by the wayside. Now, even more with my kids getting older, more activities. Like there is so little time in the day to work out. So I kind of just kind of let it go. Let it go a little bit. I had hopped on the scale a few weeks ago, probably the week of the Super Bowl, and I was 226. Is about the most I've been since my freshman year when I played baseball. 
And that was not, that was your freshman 15 that I put on. So I knew what I wanted to do, but then it was like all time low because a couple weekends ago, I'm out by the pool with my girls, like trying to be good dad, like throwing the ball with them, playing outside, have my shirt off. And all of a sudden I get a message on my phone and it's Courtney, my lovely wife, Courtney. She sends me a picture and she's inside, I'm outside and there's no comment because there was really no comment necessary. I, sh- I should try to find the picture and show you, but I don't want you to screen grab it because it's very like shirt off, as bad a pose as you could get, a little bit of man boobs that aren't really there, loose around the gut, just awful. So I was going to get in gear anyway. And like, but that was like the final straw. And it kind of irritates me because I didn't want it to work. Like, I don't want to fat shaming me into getting in shape, but it did. It did kind of set the alarms off. So I knocked off the first six or seven pounds pretty easily. Like that came off pretty well, but I'm, I'm thinking about taking it to the next level and there's nobody better to ask about. Like I've, I've actually been, I have a meeting set up with one of these blood work places where they do HRT, the hormone replacement therapy. Yeah, well, you're just going to get on growth hormone. You already right. know. Is <laughs> that it? Is that it? I, but I've never I don't know. tried it. I, I've never done it. I want to look like Jeff Bezos is basically what I want to look like. Like that's the goal. Not pre-Amazon, post-Amazon, like the post-divorce Jeff Bezos is what I want to look like. I want what he's taking. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, everybody thinks I'm on stuff, which is great. But it was funny because the other day I was in a car with a buddy going up to the golf tournament and I was just like in a puddle. Like I was tired. It was in the morning. It wasn't like because we were drinking or anything. I was just, you know, like just letting it hang out. And I'm up to 235 now. And it looked like I had a massive gut because I was just like, you know, just the form. And I noticed him kind of looking down like, wait, what's going on with Rosilla? Did he just get crazy fat out of nowhere? And I saw him kind of checking me out a little. And I go, you know, this is just sort of that weird lifter stomach thing where it's sticking out. But um, again, I'm not all ripped up. I haven't taken anything. So I don't know what to tell you other than everybody that I've heard that's taken stuff that's older. They're like, this is the greatest thing ever because yeah. my knees feel good. I'm playing pickup hoops. I'm moving like I haven't moved before. So I don't know enough about it. I know that people are like, wait, you're not on something, which again, <laughs> I always take as a compliment, but I don't know. I guess I kind of always felt good. Like when I see a ripped 50 year old guy at the gym, I just kind of think like, oh, you're just on shit. So I don't but know. You're committed. Like that's the thing where I never doubted you saying, cause you, you work out a lot. Like you have the time to do it. You put in the effort. I want something that I can put in minimal effort, maximum results. Like that's what here's, I want. Here's what I would do. First of all, I know you well enough to know that you like gear. You like your stuff. Yeah. Okay. And yep. if you buy stuff, then you'll feel like, oh, I need, I need to use to fit it, into it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to fit into it too. <laughs> so I would go and get yourself a new setup for workout clothes. I'm surprised you don't want to get out of the house and work out a little bit. Not that your kids and family aren't amazing, but I would think of like that 45 minutes to an hour of like, hey, dad's going to. Now, again, I know some parents are listening to this being like, yeah, Rosillo, that doesn't exist. You can't do it. I think people can do it. Some people decide that they don't want to do it. And then I would find like a good push pull regimen for four to six weeks where it's very quick. You're in and out quick. You know, don't go crazy the first couple of weeks. I would do something knowing your approach to things that if there were actually like a goal in front of you and set and it's different, it's challenging you that you would pick it right up and be super into it. Um, 
you know, that's that would be my advice. Or you could just get a trainer. But I don't know if you're going to be nah, a trainer. I'm definitely guy. not a trainer. I've had tra- I've had trainers try to train me, and it's always like like they're so basic in the form, and they're I'm like I know how to work out. I just need somebody to kick me in the ass. Like that's what I need. But I can do that to myself. So I'm, I'm maybe, with you. I'm, maybe you should post the picture on social media, and then <laughs> I, when people I thought see about it. it. Yeah. I thought about it, but I'll wait for I'll wait till the after. Then I'll go before. Here's the before, then the after. Because I don't want to do it now in case in case it doesn't get turned around. I don't want that out there. So if I get there to where I want to go, then I'll go. Here's the before. There's the after. But I'm waiting until that moment. Yeah. What I did is I posted something that may be an after, but I pretended it was a before, <laughs> and people weren't quite sure. And then I had people being like, "You don't look that bad, man." And I was like, all right. Your uh, Instagram. Oh my gosh. Are you still, I haven't seen any posts recently. Are you still giving me the ironic Instagram? Uh, you know, have to we, look. yeah, no, for me, I had like three posts in a month, which is, which is a record for me. So yeah, go ahead. Check that, that out. It is a lot. All right. Before okay. we move on really quickly, do we remember yeah. when Danny airbrushed abs on his, on his stomach <laughs> for ignite? Like it was yesterday. <laughs> What were, you, what were you trying to was it a Ryan Lochte thing? I forget. Yes, it was. It was a <laughs> Halloween special. Danny argued with us that he had abs at one point. So we were all like, you, "What are you talking about?" And you're like, "I used to have a six pack." We're like, "I don't think you had a six pack." But like, how recent are we talking? And you're like, "It wasn't that long ago." And then, by the way, Saruti calling the show Ignite is my favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> well, I remember what it was. Unite. Come on. Unite. It was on ESPN. <laughs> Ignite. Maybe it would have been a success. Maybe it would have been more successful. Maybe it would have been more successful if we would have called it Ignite. Welcome but into Ignite. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I will maintain you can enhance the abs that are already there with a light airbrush. You can't just create a six pack. The, it was just slightly, slightly enhanced. I did have a better six pack than maybe I've ever had in my life. That was right when I moved to Canada. I was working out a ton, excited about a new job at ESPN. I was in good shape. It's debatable. Slightly. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not saying you were in bad shape because I've never, I've never felt like you were totally in bad shape. And but the six pack at a certain age to try to get it. No, I mean, I'm unless you're it. just going to, unless you just cut, just cut like crazy. It's so hard. So, um, all right. Okay. So we did seven minutes on that. Eight minutes. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's good. Let's, uh, I want to talk draft with you. Let's do this first. Did you ever bet on NFL games while you were playing? No, uh, simple question. Um, and I know where you want to go is the Calvin Ridley stuff. I never, I never knew about gambling. I, I did not know. <laughs> What minus three plus three went? I could not have told you. Like I knew favorite, the team that was supposed to win, but I had no, never paid attention to the numbers after it had zero clue, which is kind of fascinating because speaking of Unite, which I was on, they really wanted to embrace gambling. And I had to like study what is lay the points, what is take the points, like what is the over under, like I had to learn the lingo. What did that take, best- like an afternoon? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it wasn't exactly complex. It wasn't like an NFL playbook. And I learned that's actually when I set up the first account that I had. Like, I was like, all right, I'm just going to go all in and start gambling. Then that's the best way to start uh, using it. But I never noticed anybody gambling on games, talking about it. Are we the three point favorite? No one never saw any of it. Now, gambling at the casino. Much more serious problem. I did do that all the time. I mean, when I was with the Giants, Mondays we would have film session 
uh, you know, in the afternoon, we finished up around five o'clock, you'd get a lift and you'd watch the film. And there was a, a limo from either Caesars or Harrah's or one of the casinos. And it would be there just to take the guys down to Atlantic City. You could hop in. They'd treat you great. Go down, play blacks, crap, uh, play blackjack, craps, whatever you wanted to. I mean, they took care of you because they knew you could be high rollers and you could, and it was great for their business. So from that aspect, gambling has always been pretty prevalent with players. I mean, back of the plane, guys playing cards, thousands and thousands of dollars exchanged, but nobody ever talked about losing a game or, you know, gambling on the NFL. And I don't, I honestly, I don't remember guys even gambling on college football other than my school's playing your school, what's on the game. Like that was it. Other than that, I don't remember anybody really talking about gambling on sports. I don't know what the rookie, you know, transition was like, but did they talk to you about it? I mean, I know they do it now nonstop, but did they, they talk to like the scared straight talk, like an yeah. Art Schleister type deal? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's everywhere. And this is even before, you know, it's been so prevalent in society. It was always, here's the worst take example. And it was Art Schleister. He was the one, but there's signage all over too. There's a sign everywhere you go. And it was usually all the same, like steroids, you know, the PED stuff. Um, domestic violence was always harped on, like, don't do anything foolish, don't get arrested, don't hit women, and gambling. You literally could not do it. Like, of all the things, like, when I look at what happened to Calvin Ridley, and it's not that, like, most of the rules in the NFL, they're really an IQ test. Like, just don't be a dumbass and you'll be fine. And it goes back to marijuana. I mean, even though they've lightened up the policy, it was always kind of knew when the test was going to be. You just had to be smart around when you smoke because most of the guys did smoke even when I played. And you just had to be kind of cognizant of when it was on the calendar and you could work around it. And if you didn't, it was kind of like, what, what are you doing? Like you knew when this was going to be. And I would say that's similar to Calvin Ridley. Like, you, like how could you be foolish enough to open an account with all your information on it at a casino in Florida? Like in, it's not offshore. It's not anything. With like digital information attached to it. It just, to me, it makes no sense. Maybe, and like, I mean, you saw his tweets when he's out there saying, well, it was only 1500 bucks. I mean, maybe in his mind, he felt like that would be a differentiator, but they're very clear cut that it is not allowed at all. Yeah, that's kind of my point in the open is that I remember the first job I had in baseball. It was the first media job I had at O2 with minor league baseball. and there were signs everywhere and it was because of something now that's happened a hundred years ago. You know, the reason we have such strict baseball policies and in this case now a football policy, which, you know, in a way Ridley can get reinstatement in a year. That's not even close to what Rose is facing here. Decades of a ban. Um, and I have no problem with Rose having that kind of ban because I don't believe I've never believed Pete Rose. I always thought he was full of shit and anybody that knows anybody, like sometimes I wonder how, um, how aware, I guess I'd put it this way. Like, do you know anyone in your life? Not you specifically, but just when I hear people talk about gambling, like, do you know anybody that's degenerate? Because I do. And I know that that guy would sell a kidney for a fucking win on a, on a Sunday night game. You know what I mean? Like, I know mm -hmm. what it's like. And to think that Pete Rose, who's an ultimate degenerate, wouldn't be manipulating some of the outcomes somewhat to get himself out of the hole so that the envelope goes a different direction when he has to meet up with this guy. And when people want to like downplay that or they don't have any exposure to somebody that has issues or any of that kind of stuff, you're just like, well, then you don't you don't really get it, which I thought was unfortunately a lot of times on social media, a collection of people that I'm like, you guys just don't understand this. And when I had that baseball gig, I remember that sign being like, 
three rules or whatever. It'd be like, whatever said in here stays in here. I think there was one other one that I don't remember. It was like, never, you can never gamble on these games or whatever. And that was like minor league baseball, but it was just, hey, make sure that it's always up. And it sounds stupid, but I, I cannot emphasize the point enough. When you're a pro athlete, you're reminded of it constantly and for good reason. So when you fuck it up, I have almost no sympathy for you. I'm with you on that. And I know, um, I think we might even had this conversation around Pete Rose when he was, you know, whatever time he was trying to get reinstated or something where I get the, I, I totally understand the mindset. If you bet on yourself, like I've always, and we use that term all the time when guys bet on themselves in a contract year and they don't, you know, they, they don't negotiate, they'll, they'll hold out or whatever the case may be like Joe Flacco is the best example of not taking a deal and saying, I'm going to run this wins a Super Bowl and it pays off. We use that terminology all the time. And I get thinking, well, what's wrong if Calvin Ridley, you know, as long as he bets, as long as he's betting on his team to win, then by all means, like, why wouldn't you? And as a fan, I would want, like, if I'm betting on my team, I'd want the players betting on that team, but you just can't because of like, and there, and there would might be a lot of guys that could handle that be like, yeah, I'm going to put, it's not, it's not a debt. It's they make, you know, if he's making $10 million, what's $50,000 to put a little extra on his team winning. But it's, there's so much at stake when you think about the NFL and the integrity of the game, which has already come under fire. And for everyone who says, well, what about the hypocrisy of the NFL having these partnerships with the casinos? Well, the more money the NFL makes in revenues from all over the place, the players get a piece of that. So it's not like the players aren't benefiting off the partnerships that the NFL has with these various casinos and sports books across the country. But the players have to understand, and most of them do, that's just simply something you can't do. Like you just can't. Because what if there was that one scandal that came out, the damage it could do? To the sport as a whole, it's just not worth it. So, like that would be, that's always the coach, like the coaches that were more like practical. They're like, look, we get it. It's fun to gamble. I could see that. Just wait until you're done playing. Like, can you push it off a few years, ten years, whatever it is, and then do whatever you want and gamble whatever you want on football or whatever sport it is. But for now, you just got to put it on the shelf. Let's bring you in to talk a little draft here um, because we've had a little bit more time removed from the college football season. And we knew that this quarterback class was not one of the greats. You know, I always kind of feel like, yeah, we get a little closer to this, though. You could see somebody swinging at a pick four or five, depending on somebody who wants to move around a little bit. I have seen, whether it's Pickett, I've seen Corral, I've seen Malik Willis, who I think is whatever riser would be in this stage. To me, there's no definitive number one mock quarterback, and I've seen it all over the place. Do you have one that you like more than the others? Kenny Pickett's my number one, but I feel like he's the safest option. And maybe that's a reflection on me, what I would do with this class, or if I was a GM, I'd want something that, hey, I wasn't going to see a complete flop. And I do think there's some high risk of those with the other guys. That being said, I feel like the ceiling is not much higher for Kenny Pickett. Like, I feel like his season that he had this year with a, and I, like, I was looking back, like, all right, and watching several years of film, like, why all of a sudden did he go from a quarterback who was like very pedestrian, you know, 13 touchdowns, eight or nine interceptions, just exploding on the scene with 42 touchdowns and seven interceptions. And Jordan Addison, his receiver is a game changer. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty glaring. I mean, he had 17 touchdowns. He opened things up for that offense. Like you hadn't seen, but then I think the problem I have with Kenny Pickett is like the best case scenario for Kenny Pickett. I think is turning him into, or he becomes Andy Dalton or a Kirk Cousins, who are 
really, and if he does, like, good for him. Like, I'd take that all day. You can make, you know, Kirk Cousins making $35 million a year. Like, good for Kenny Pickett. And I think even that is projecting him into a best-case scenario. And I feel like the worst-case scenario for him is he's like a seven or eight, maybe a decade-long backup, you know, like which is good. Like, again, but do you want to draft somebody with a top 10, top 15 pick where that's the option? So, like, I like him. He's my number one. But I think it's like it's a very conservative pick to make. You know, does that make sense? Like, I just feel like he's the safe pick. I can look at the film. It translates the concepts he's running with. I think his mobility and like him running a sub four seven forty was a kind of a wow moment. But let's not confuse him with, you know, um, a Josh Allen, like the, the size and physicality that he runs with. And he actually, Josh Allen ran slower than him at the combine. But I just, I don't think he's a guy that's going to blow you away with us athleticism and his arm talent's adequate, but it's not Josh Allen's type arm or Patrick Mahomes. I just think he's kind of a safe pick to maybe be a franchise quarterback, but the more likely is he's probably predominantly a backup throughout his career. Don't you think though, if a scout said that to you in the war room, you'd be like, well, then why are we taking him? And again, people get plenty of the stuff wrong. We've been over it nonstop, at least on this podcast, of, of how often you whiff on the first rounders. But it's kind of like when I look at a basketball bust, I'll hear somebody say, well, you know, you could have taken this guy because, you know, at least he's going to be in your rotation one through eight, could be four or five year player. He's never going to be a starter. He's certainly never going to be an all star. So why don't you just go ahead and take the safe pick? And you're like, well, no, that's not what this is about. This is about trying to find a difference maker. And I'd rather make a mistake trying to find a difference maker than make a mistake because I thought, hey, his floor was higher than other people. Right. And I, and, and I totally understand that. If you ask me, like, swing for the fences, the highest, you know, and I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, it's Malik Willis. If it's a boom or bust type of candidate, I think he's clearly the guy. Um, his arm strength is off the charts. Two years ago, the film on him is really solid. I mean, he put Liberty's team on his back. They had several wins against ACC teams. Against the better competition, he played really well. He showcased his running ability, which isn't in question, but this past season, and this is where I do think this is the similar comp to Josh Allen. Like he's a smaller version of Josh Allen because Josh Allen does have the type of size and athleticism and arm talent that you look at and it's just like, all right, you kind of start salivating when you think about the upside potential. Malik Willis isn't anywhere near as a physical specimen as Josh Allen. And Josh Allen's 6'5", you know, 245, maybe even more, and he can throw it out of the, out of the stadium. Malik Willis, he's 6'1". He's not as big. He's 215. And his arm talent is good, but it's not off the charts good. So yeah, I could see it. But I almost feel like he needs a system similar to what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson or the Eagles did this past season with Jalen Hurts, where you're really going to make him a feature of the run quarterback run RPO game, which if you do that, I think it could translate. But can you open it up? And we're seeing that debate right now with Lamar Jackson. Like, can he evolve into a quarterback or doesn't even have to? Because the Ravens have pretty much made it all clear. We're, we're good with what the way he's playing the game, but it does come with risks. And if teams start to figure that out and they take away the quarterback run game, then we've seen kind of Lamar Jackson come back to reality. And I think that's the risk you won with Malik Willis. Now, the, the, the upside on him, like, could he become... A hybrid sort of because I don't he's not as fast as Lamar Jackson and he's not as big arm talent as Josh Allen. So he's kind of like I see him as a combo of those two, but on the up or down, it's like not the same. Does that make sense? Like he's 
those are the comparisons. I mold them together, but you don't get the best of either one. So like you might swing for the fences and get a really good quarterback, but then I think you might be in a conundrum like you are with Lamar Jackson. Like you tailor the system to him. Can you stick with it and can you win long-term with it? Like in your, like your thing too, if I was a team, I would be like, and I, I took some heat for saying that this quarterback class sucks as a whole because it does like top to bottom. There's really not one guy. There's no consensus. Number one, the debates we've even heard just around two of them kind of see like safety valve pick or a swing for the fences with a pretty high risk of bust. I would desperately be trying to trade out and trade down, or I would be looking at the free agent market over these quarterbacks. And then what I would do is I would love to take a swing on a guy in a second or third round, like a Desmond Ritter, a Sam Howell, if he drops somebody like that, where you don't have to you know, invest a first round pick. And there's so much depth of talent at the wide receiver position, other positions that you could bolster up in the first round. And I would rather say, let me take a flyer on one of these other quarterbacks in the second or third round and see if that's the type of upside you get, as opposed to taking a much riskier play and investment and a higher investment in one of these guys in the first round. Have you watched a lot of the kid from Nevada, Carson Strong? Because I, yeah. I, can't, I can't tell if it's like he's he'd be the cover of a magazine. You know, he would be when you see his when he's drafted and you see his B-roll, people are going to go, wait a minute. Like, why is this guy behind all these other people? But we know, covered. This, so I saw him a lot. I saw him right. a lot. So I did CBS Sports Network like Friday night games and the Mountain West was featured on there. So we saw a lot of his games, watched a lot of them. He's really slow, but I can't. He had a knee injury. So like, was he really hampered by that all season long. Obviously it had some impact on his game, but he's really, from what I saw this past season, really immobile in the pocket. Like, and that's not the direction the NFL is moving. Um, you don't have to run it, but you have to be mobile in the pocket. It, correct. It's a, per- it's a perfect call by you because correct. I mean, that so, was I mean, always the Brady thing. It wasn't a keeper on his own read. It was that Brady, again, Brady had superhuman powers of understanding where pressure was coming from, but mobility in the pocket. And right. And you don't have to be fast to have that. Go ahead. Right. But he is like a pretty good athlete. I like I remember I remember doing a thing on him where I think he like averaged a double double in high school and basketball. Like, so I like that about him. Um, but just it doesn't like jump out to you with athleticism. He's got a really good arm. He could throw he's he's got a great arm. They threw a ball a lot. Um, but again, like I think he's probably a third or even a fourth round because of the injury concerns and lack of mobility. It's just like, where does he translate in today's NFL? And could you see him actually pushing to make, you know, to, for a starting job? Sam Howell, to me, is a really interesting prospect because you remember, like, coming into the season, he was everybody's projected top five quarterback, you know, maybe the number one quarterback in the class. And he's, he's played a lot of football. So, he, like, he fits the Bill Parcells, like, multiple-year starter, uh, started three years, elevated North Carolina's program. And then the reason he fell off this year was because he was getting absolutely annihilated. Like you throw in the film on him and he has no time to set his uh, feet. He's getting crushed. He's pretty tough. Like you look for toughness. And I do think that is something you have to try to evaluate. Now, can this guy take a pounding? He got absolutely drilled uh, at Carolina this past season. Kept coming back, like finds his way to claw his team back into games. The system, I think, was a little bit too collegiate, a little bit more RPO. Like he was running the ball a lot. And... But if you just watch him throw the football and just the way the ball comes off his hand, very natural release. He can make all the throws. 
He's got the arm strength down the field um, where I think, and he's a guy that, again, more of like maybe a Drew Brees, like, cause he's six one. And like, when I say this, like, and certain people are like, oh, you're saying he's going to be the new, next Drew Brees. No, I'm saying like, that's the type of quarterback that you can envision him being like a pocket passer, pinpoint precision, accuracy, gets the ball out of his hands quick, you know, good leader, like good intangibles. So like that Sam Howell to me is a really intriguing, and he's actually from his interviews of the combine, like you get around him, like he feels like a franchise quarterback and he blew people away at the combine, which I think is why he was forgotten about as a first round pick. And I think a lot of people are thinking after the combine, the way he threw the ball, the way he interviewed, he might've put himself back in the first round. I saw the video of the guy picking up garbage and I mm. went, all right, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Yeah, that's your guy. Right. Um, I think he was, was it a Ivy League QB? I think. EJ Perry, yeah, from yeah. Brown. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so maybe he did it and it was awesome. Um, I also think there's times where guys do stuff knowing this is going to look awesome. I'm very cynical. The Malik Willis one, I was not cynical about at all, helping out a homeless guy in Indy because I've spent time with him and he's incredibly impressive. Like he'll win the room every time he's in it. And the fact that that video, even though, again, I think people would do crazy shit. I think agents would do crazy shit to make their guys look good. That video was taken from across the street. So, you know, who knows? Yeah, but that makes it look a little bit more like it was just spur of the moment. I had a confession on my radio show um, where I was like, I'm so cynical on these things now because I would put nothing past these agents. I haven't met Malik Willis like you have. I know he blew people away at the comment as well. Like I would hope that they're just real and genuine, but that doesn't mean somebody else wouldn't capitalize on the moment and try to spread it out there just to show like, Oh, this is the guy you want to build your franchise around right here. Look at what a great guy's going to be in the community. And the EJ Perry thing too, like it was film. I think didn't one of the NFL network like reporters, I think she filmed it. She was yeah. the one that said, look at this. Like, I, I w- all I would say is these, these kids have been coached up so much. I don't put anything past them. But good for them. Like, good to have the awareness of, hey, this is an opportunity where I can make myself look the way that you want to be perceived. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Like, I think everybody should be doing it. They should be fighting each other to pick up the garbage to say, like, this is millions of dollars on the line. Why wouldn't you? And they're coached. Like, every every one of these coaching, like, combine training facilities, yeah, they teach you, like, they get your 40-time technique down. They show you the drills they're going to do. But they're also prepping you for interviews and prepping you for the week and how you interact with those other players. And, you know, do you hop to the front of the line and all that kind of corny stuff? I would be doing all of it. Like whatever you can do to portray yourself in the best light possible. Why wouldn't you do it? It would make me not want to draft you actually, because I would go, (laughs) all right, you're so deception Based, like you know, deceitful is the right word, um, and I'm not saying this about EJ at all. I, I have or either no one of them, and right, I just right, not, right, well, Malik, right. I believe because I've met him, and so right. that's it. I I I don't know about the other one. But I just love on draft day, like D line gets drafted 28th. You're like, you know, had 13 and a half sacks last last year for NC State, and ran a four seven, put up 32 reps. He goes and the way he fought for position to get garbage in front of other guys, let everyone cut him in the line. You're just like, I don't know, a lot of this shit. I don't think. We can pretend, and Twitter seems to think it matters so much. Oh, they love that it. It's, yeah. it's such a win that it also kind of turns me off to the whole part of it. All right. Uh, we didn't talk about Ole Miss, Matt Corral. So I think he's one of those more uh, boomer bust 
Love the way he throws the ball. His improvisational skills, I think, are off the charts. Like what he does when things break down. He's a little bit of a product of the system that they were running uh, with Jeff Levy and Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, which that system hasn't produced the most successful quarterbacks at the next level. But I hate that because I heard that about me, right? I mean, it's, it's, you can't help the system you played in. He won in that system. Much I hate to admit this, I think he's really been hurt by not being able to work out uh, and play in the Senior Bowl. And, you know, of course, the injury that he had in their bowl game was everyone was talking about, Oh my gosh, like, look, this is the, you know, that whole argument, the debate comes uh, around. I do think it's hurt him. Um, the film is solid. Like I think the ball comes off his, his arm really nice. I think he's kind of, so I have Kenny Pickett one and I had Matt Corral two and I had Malik Willis three, but like, if you're looking for upside, I think there's more upside on Malik Willis than there is on Matt Corral. So I'm like, I'm debating, do I move Corral down one? And I'm probably, and a lot of this maybe is a prisoner of the moment, watching Malik Willis throw at the Senior Bowl because he threw the ball great. In bad weather was a big, you know, like question mark. How are you going to do when it's rainy and cold? And it was, and he probably shined more than any quarterback at the Senior Bowl. Again, at the Combine, threw the ball really well. And I do think that's hurt Matt Corral. He's kind of fallen to the back of the conversation a little bit. But I think he could absolutely come back to the top with a strong pro day, which I think is coming up here in a couple of weeks. But I hate to see that it's been impacted by, you know, an injury that was insignificant, but it just shows you how, what a fine line it is between, you know, being a top two or three quarterback. We've talked a lot on the radio show about when you were drafted and and coming in and your background was different. Like you didn't play a lot of big time high school football. You didn't play football until very late. You played at a small prep school. And then all of a sudden, like everybody wants you and you were thrilled to take your time at Florida State because once you got there, but when you went from Florida State and even though you went later in the draft, did you show up? Because I remember you telling me, like, when you showed up to Florida State, you were like, holy shit, like, this is a massive wake-up call. How did that compare when you went to the Giants from college? So the interesting thing for me was, if you would have asked me that question before the draft, and like, yeah, give me a chance. Like, give me a chance to start. Give me a chance to compete. I did have the wrong priorities, though. I did want to go to warm weather. Like the two spots I wanted to go to were Denver and Miami because it was John Elway and Dan Marino, like quarterbacks that I saw growing up that were idols of mine, that were back into their careers, that I could back up for a year or two and then learn from them, groom behind them, and then step in. And I'm not saying I thought I was Dan Marino or John Elway, but the styles of play were similar. Like especially Marino was a pure pocket passer, didn't run at all. So I was like, yeah, I could do what he does nowhere near as good, but maybe I could develop into that type of player. So that was my like hope coming out, getting ready for the draft. And then the Broncos come by and they select a kid named Jeff Lewis out of Northern Arizona. The Dolphins kept coming up on the draft and like it was, you know, I didn't think first round was possible. Second round goes, they start selecting other guys. Third round comes, Dolphins select somebody else. And then that night, like, so it was the first three rounds were the first day. So they go by and that night was probably one of the longest lives of my I've told you this before, but the longest nights of my life is I'm just the thoughts that are going through my mind are, am I gonna have to go back to graduate school? Do I go try to be a doctor like my dad? Do I go play baseball? Cause that was still in the back of my mind. Like, man, I was a good baseball player. But like football, is this not a reality? Am I not gonna get drafted? Am I am I not gonna have an opportunity? So it kind of like almost shifted over like by where I got drafted. So when I got drafted in the fourth round, the thought I kept having was, I just want to make the team. Because as a fourth rounder, 
I, I was probably safer than I thought I was because they did pick me in that round, but it's not like you're a guarantee. Like, you know, sixth and seventh round, clearly you're on the bubble. You're, you're going to have to claw your way to make the squad. But as a fourth rounder, and they had Tommy Maddox there who had a lot of playing experience. They had Dave Brown was the starter. Tommy Maddox was the backup. And they had Stan White from Auburn. And, and he was, you know, pretty good college quarterback, similar to me when he was at Auburn. So I was just thinking, man, I want to claw my way and make sure I make the team. And then I would say my confidence grew the more that I watched, you know, Dave Brown play, the more that I watched Wait, other guys. The, the way you said that. Because I, I love Dave. Dave's the best. But when you start seeing somebody do things and you're like, well, I could, I could make that throw. You know, like you start building confidence of, you know, you can even picture yourself being like, well, I can do that better than him potentially. And then my second year, because he had the advantage with Dan Reeves' system that he had, he had been in it already for a couple of years. And then when Dan Reeves was fired and Jim Fossil came in, that's when my, so my second year, I really started getting more antsy and, all right, I know the system just as well as he does. I feel like I can make the throws just as well as he, he does. And I did not think I would start, but when he got hurt and I started playing, I just felt like I had more confidence. We had a great defense, so I didn't have to do a whole lot. But it was definitely, I was definitely on the more patient approach of, and I do think like to the detriment of my career, I started almost too early. Like, and that, some of that was immaturity on my part. I wasn't ready to handle that. But there is a value, I think, for some people and by myself, clearly it was for me in watching and learning from somebody that's doing it and grooming. So like for me, I, I, that's my one, like, I wish I was drafted by the Dolphins or the Broncos and could have sat for two or three years, watch those guys, watch the way they prepare watch the way they train in the offseason, watch the way they handle themselves in the locker room, leading the other teammates, because I had no experience other than everything came easy to me. Like I, at Florida State, I think I was a good college quarterback, but I wasn't a great you know, leader, stay after. You know, I worked in the offseason and I was not late. I wasn't a bad teammate, but I didn't, I didn't understand what it took to be the face of a franchise. And I feel like I didn't really learn that till later. And if I would have been able to watch those guys do it, I think it would have been more beneficial to me in the long run as opposed to it was great. I got to play early and we had success early, but then like the success happened so fast that it set this bar of, okay, got to make the playoffs every year. You're going to have to do this. And we started losing games. I started getting killed. And then the next minute I'm gone, like cut. And then I was pretty much just destined to be a backup for the rest of the career. Was there ever a rookie that was drafted at quarterback of a team that you were on where you were like, Oh no, this guy's better than me or the other way where you went up, oh, they screwed this up. No, when I was on the Falcons, uh, they drafted in the seventh round, I believe, uh, Doug Johnson out of Florida. And I was, you know, second year in Atlanta. I was only one, I, I had signed a two year deal. So I knew my contract was up. And I just felt like he, and they loved him. They loved Doug Johnson coming out. Like you could just hear like the positive reviews to the press. How annoyed were you? And, oh, I was pretty annoyed. And he did not lack in confidence either. And I love Doug. Like he's a good dude. But like, I think he had Slinger on his license plate. Like you got <laughs> like to have, you got to have some serious swag to be rocking that. Now at Gainesville, it's one thing, but like, you might want to take that off there. He's a really good dude, but he was like, he was, he was coming for my job, which I understand. And that's a part of the game, but it was, it was aggressive at the time. And I felt like, okay, this is, this is going to get a little bit annoying. Like I need to have to like fend this guy off. And then I didn't like, I didn't, I didn't play well that year. I ended up getting hurt, had surgery after season. And they just didn't renew me and they kept him. So I kind of knew what was happening, 
And then I think he went on to like, he might've started one game and like had an opportunity. It just didn't pan out for him. And then the last year, and this was not, I don't, again, another player, I don't think might've been drafted. So Bradley Van Pelt, you and I have talked about this. Remember Colorado state Oh, local hero. Oh, late, like local hero played at Colorado state, like Denver loved him. And then like the ownership gets involved, like, cause everybody likes the hometown hero in the preseason. He was running these QB draws and running the ball and he wasn't a good passer, but I just was like, this is going to happen. They're going to screw me out of this position and go with this young kid. Cause he was, I think he was a quarter of the salary at the time as a rookie, like seventh round pick. He was making league minimum as a veteran. I had to make a certain amount of league minimum. I think for me it was 800. And I just saw it. I, was, I remember telling Courtney, my wife, I'm like, they're going to, they're going to roll with this kid. He's not, he's not going to play in the NFL. He's not going to be a starter, but they're just going to roll him out there and use him. And they did, they kind of used some wildcat stuff with him. And he never really, got, I don't think he ever got to start a game, but they used him a little bit and then, you know, went in a different direction when they drafted Cutler and moved on from Plummer and that whole regime. So yeah, that yeah. Was, like that's the cutthroat side of it where you're like, all right, like this, you know, when your job is on the line and you can kind of see them making an exit strategy, it gets a little concerning. Yeah. Seventh round, though. Um, I remember him being bigger. He was only 6'2. He only played in three he games. He was Jack, though. He was pretty big. Yeah. Like he was more like a Tebow type body. No, no doubt. Um, but I'm just, yeah. I guess I, because I remember what I watched all of those Colorado State games because I used to gamble all the time yeah. and they were always the last option to gamble on that Saturday unless you want to go Hawaii. And so <laughs> right. I just we me and one of my buddies would just constantly be like, fuck, let's be like, what do you want to do? But like, we got to back Bradley. We got to go. We got to <laughs> We got to go. Let's go Colorado State. And let's he was it. he was like long flowing hair, good looking dude, like Hollywood jaw, like and he, I actually love Brad. Like we had fun. Like he, he was not coming in like aggressively. Like Doug Johnson came in with swagger, right? Like he came in like I'm gunning for your job. Bradley was just there to have fun, man. He was a good time. Like he was not trying to take it. He was just happy to be there. Uh, and uh, so we got along really well. But I just knew I was like, this is the direction they're gonna go, and it's it's not good for me. And sure enough, it did. Like he was at my wedding, so like he was like we had we had a pretty good time together. He's a good dude. So Doug was your wedding now. Doug was at your wedding. No, so you Doug guys... wasn't. Bradley Van Pelt was. Oh, he Doug, was. Doug did not get the invite. <laughs> I sound like I've actually run into him since then. And he, like, he's like, I think everyone, like, you get humbled by the NFL. I think he, like, and it was a weird relationship. It can be there. I've been in good quarterback rooms and I've been in bad ones. Okay. I'm going to just gonna ask the you, one. what's yeah. the story that you haven't told us yet about Doug early? Like it may have worked out, but there had to have been something where you were like, okay. No, you know who you know who was on the staff there was Les Snead. And Les Snead was his guy. Like that's who that's who saw him. And Les Snead was bottom of the, you know, rung of of co- like scouts. And they were very like, let's go hunting this weekend. Where are we going hunting? Like it, Doug was an outdoorsy <laughs> guy. And I was not. I was more a golfer. And so they were like buddy, buddy, pounding around. And it just got like like the brown nose aspect came into it Uh-oh. and just became annoying. You know, like it's okay. just one of those things. And you're trying to hang on for a job. And I don't know, it wasn't it wasn't the healthiest that I've been there. No, By it, the way, it wasn't like horrible. It wasn't anything egregious. I mean, he was just trying to play. Slinger is the second best vanity plate of Florida program <laughs> quarterbacks, right? What's the other one? Your boy, Chris was Ricks. Ricks. Yeah. What was his? But he, I don't think it was a vanity plate. I think it was bigger than that. 
from what okay, I've for been those, told, for I those who was... don't know, Rick's when he showed up on campus, according to legend, twenty years ago, he had a plate that said "Look out, DBs." Yeah, but it was like it, LK. You know, it was because it's a lot of well. Lot see, of I know. I think I think it might. So here's where I, I think it might have been. I think there was a Jeep with the wheel cover. You know, like how you have the Jeep with the wheel in the back, and then you oh, can customize that's even, those. That's even better. Yeah, that is. That's all in. You're not the vanity plates aren't enough. You need the whole shebang. Uh, that's the legend, I believe, has it. Okay, what he had. All right. Yeah, before he, we let you go, we got to check in on the youngest member of the Canel Brood. Yeah, uh, how's Brady how's, Buckets? How's how's Brady Buckets doing? She's better. Struggling a little bit with rehab though. So six weeks she's been in a cast. She got it off last week. And Broken doctor, ankle. Um. Broken ankle, two places. She had to have a screw put in, which has a little washer on it. I don't know why it gives me a kick. Like there's a little, you can see it on the x-ray. There's a washer that holds it in place. Doctor was great. Out at Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital. Remembered our show. Was like, yeah, whatever happened to your guys' show? I love listening to you guys. You and Ryan, you guys were great together. Really good dude. But Except when he told her six weeks in the cast, I was like, well, what do you do next? He's like, well, you just kind of, you start, you know, just walk and then you run slowly and you go. And there was no timetable. So she's really having a hard time with why she can't run like yesterday. And it's only been a week since she's been out of the cast. So no rehab there. Uh, just kind of just taking it day by day. She's getting a little bit better. But uh, Brady Buckets is doing a lot better. So thank you for asking. The stupid trampoline, though, that really pisses me off. That's because how she broke it? I, yeah. So, and I, so, I, so my dad has always been anti-trampoline. Like, don't ever get your kids trampolines. And I was on the same page. Like, just don't do it. It's too much risk. There's too much involved. Homeowners, like they'll take away your homeowner's insurance, all these issues that crop up with it. So my girls have asked me one for five, six years. And we lived in Connecticut. The neighbors had one, which was great. And that's kind of what got them into the, the kick for like, let's get a trampoline. So we moved back to Florida. We were renting, always had an excuse like, well, we can't get it. So now that we've been in this house for over a year, Christmas comes around and they basically bullied me into it. They're like, oh, we have to get a trampoline. We have to get a trampoline. And my thinking was they're at an age when they're inside a lot. They want to be on screens. They want to play. So I'm like, hey, if it's something that gets them outside, get them outside. They jump on the trampoline. That's great. So I caved Christmas. Get it. Put it up the day after Christmas. Three weeks. We don't even have the thing. Three weeks. Brady comes down wrong. It wasn't even because it had the enclosed, but she was jumping with older kids. So she's jumping with an older sister and a kid that lives across the street. And they were much heavier, like two times the size going as high as they can. They were doing popcorn and having all the fun games they do. And then I guess what apparently happened is she comes down, the spring is going up and it just catches her exactly the wrong time. And when I was actually, it was Monday night, it was Martin Luther King Day. There was a Monday night football game on, don't know if it was playoffs or something, but I was getting ready to do a hit from my house and Courtney comes in and she's like, uh, Brady's hurt. And I was like, all right, I'll be there after this hit. It was like a 10 minute hit. And she's like, no, 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 you need to come now. And I was like, all right, this must be serious. And go in and it's like hanging the wrong way. Like it's, it was, it was ugly. It was nasty. And when I go into the room, she was screaming. She's like, don't tell him. Don't tell him. That's what she was saying. Don't tell my dad. Like, don't tell him. And the reason was she didn't want me to get rid of the trampoline. She's like, he's going to throw it out. He's going to get rid of the trampoline. So she was more devastated from that than she was from the pain of the injury. But all that That's, went through surgery, uh, went successfully. Uh, knock on wood, they still want to keep an eye on her growth plate, but that's been good so far. And uh, yeah, 
So it's been a little bit of a interesting. You talk about a nine-year-old with lots of energy that's on crutches and hasn't been able to move. Oof, it's a lot of energy. You got to burn off in other ways. So, All right. But well, she's tell, good. Much tell better. Her I said, hey. I will for sure. Thanks, man. Love it. Yep, you got it. You can check out Canel uh, every morning, 7 to 10 Eastern on ESPN, U Radio, Dusty and Canel. By the way, uh, Aaron Rodgers breaking news. This happened right after we finished with Danny. He's staying with the Packers. Looks like it's a massive deal. Four years, $200 million. Uh, Our rule, though, on NFL contract headlines, let's hold out for 12 hours to 24 hours until we find out what the real money is. It would not shock me that they wanted the headline of a $200 million deal here. Um, $153 million guaranteed, but then his cap number goes down. So this is great for everybody because we can stop fucking talking about it and have to hear about it. So there you go. Roger's segment over. All right, let's do life advice. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. You want details? Fine. I drive a Ferrari. 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Life advice is lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. That is the email address to send in your dilemmas. We had one that I really want to do, but I just, I don't know. It was, uh, it was good good instincts on you, Kyle, to send it, but you sent it with an alert of, can we? And so, uh, I don't know. I, I guess, did we do the Spotify playlist discussion yet? We, we didn't. No. Should we do no. two seconds on this yeah. real quick? What was the goal, Saruti? What was, <laughs> what was the premise of this? They asked, was it for personalities? It was for the ringer. Oh, yeah. for the ringer? oh now well, I feel bad. Yeah. Wait, no, you guys so- got asked by Spotify for playlists? Well, just Ryan, not me. Not me. I would have gladly given them one, but they wanted a Ryan workout playlist, right? And it was like, you know, 10 to 15 songs of just like basically like Max Day, I think is the way that you put it. Um, Max Goff, Day was the title. Yeah. Yeah. Like Goff did one. Uh, Bill did a, his, his like top 10 Pearl Jam songs, like his personal top 10. So everybody was like doing playlists and they're going to be up on Spotify on the ring. Not of everybody. Um, Kyle, we'll get you involved. Don't worry about it. 
I want you post yours everywhere. Yeah, Yeah. yours are on Twitter. It's like they don't have Twitter or ears. The fact that whatever. Let's talk about Ryan's playlist. Spotify doesn't even follow me, so don't worry about it, buddy. Okay. So yeah, there you go. So uh, (laughs) so so Ryan did his his Max Day playlist and heavily featured what like some Limp Biscuit, a lot of Limp Biscuit in there. I think it was partially ironic, but also like one of those like actually I I still kind of do like some Limp Biscuit songs. I'm with you on that. Some of them are good. They're good workout songs. What can I say? Sue me. Um, was there a Nickelback song? I don't even know, but like it was a it was a weird playlist to be honest. Alien Ant Farm, love Alien Ant Farm. Movies, yeah. great song. It was it was meant to kind of poke fun at that genre that lane there for a few years, the early two thousands. Um, there was one song on there that I was kind of like, wait, this song is awesome. So what's what am I doing wrong here? By the way, I need help from Sarudi. If I want to post a Spotify song that I'm listening to in that moment and I want to put it on my Instagram story with music, is that now not possible? Is there some uh, copyright thing? No, you can still do that. Yeah, but well, it never do, allows me to do it. I don't well, you know what? I'm just sound we're gonna stop talking about this right now because I just might as well say We'll I, do this offline. <laughs> yeah, because I couldn't be like, hold on, I gotta I gotta fuck reload the coal stove <laughs> in the back. <laughs> so We'll just we'll just stay away. The point is, is that I've never had more reaction. I think of anything I've ever done than that playlist. It's ridiculous. The number of people that have reached out about that playlist. And I'll tell you, I think I put it together in like four minutes. So maybe I'll do a real an artsy one or something. But you know what we should do? We should next time I'm asked to do it, which may be never now because of what I did this past week. Have Kyle do it. And it'll be like Ryan Russell presents Kyle's frolic room early start playlist. All right, so there you go. Problem solved. Wait, hold on. Do you want to at least let people know what the playlist is? I have it up here now. I'm bringing it go up. Go for it. Go uh, for it. There's 11 songs. Starts off with My Way, Limp Biscuit. Second track, In the End, Lincoln Park. Three, shout out, Evanescence, Bring Me to Life. You do know that song. Corn, Freak on a Leash. Uh, Duality, Slipknot. Mudvayne. I was never a, a Mudvayne guy, but Dig. By Bowling. the way, that, that Mudvayne song is good. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to deny it. I, I just, I'm not a Mudvayne guy. Uh, Roland Limp Biscuit again, great workout song. Papa Papa Roach Last Resort, Smooth Criminal Alien Ant Farm, Higher by Creed, and then you close it out with Limp Biscuit and Faith, which again is kind of a good workout song. I hate to say it, but you think Faith Limp Biscuit tracks? Wait, you think the Limp Biscuit cover of George Michael's Faith is a good workout song? Um, maybe not, maybe not that one specifically, but like okay. My Way, right. Air, uh, Roland. What did I have? Uh, Take a look around. I had on one of my Peloton rides the other day. It's it. It's great. It's awesome. And by the way, thanks to you, I just got into Tool again, so I appreciate that. There was no Tool on this playlist, but there should have been. Well, then it would. I can do that to Tool. First <laughs> you of want all. to lump you, them in with Fred if Durst? You, if you're going to do a Tool playlist, it can only be Tool. <laughs> all right, that'll be the next one. You can't do that to Tool. Everybody knows that. Kyle, I can't tell if you love this or you hate this right now. There feels like... I just... There's like an animosity filter coming off of you right now on the Zoom. No, no, no. And it's not that you did it. It's I didn't know that like folks were getting asked. That's what really <laughs> bumps me out is that folks were getting asked. He's pissed. I think this is the most upset I've ever seen. You. I just mean, fair? who's running? Who's whose job is it to figure out who should have playlists? Like who's it's somebody's job, right? Somebody's not doing their job. Well, that's all I'm saying. All right. We'll get Kyle on the mix on the next one. It's fine. What can you do? <laughs> Somebody at Frolic Room asked, told me I was a little repetitive in my music yesterday, and I oh made a whole new thing. I just got a whole new. So Spotify, I'm already thinking about playlists. Is Frolic Room looking for some sort of sponsorship deal with us? Because now, is it fair? I think, you know what? Actually, take the floor here a little bit before we get to the advice. What has happened now to Frolic Room's 
business because it, it appears that it's become now a tourist attraction because of the podcast and you. It's funny. It's actually, I've seen a couple people in the last couple um, days. I'll say a week just so I don't sound like I'm there all the time. Um, and <laughs> and it goes the same way. It's a Tweet guy less. and a girl usually. Yeah, probably. Uh, it's a guy and a girl. If it's like a younger guy my age, I'm like, all right, there's at least a 30% chance he's only here because he listens to Life Advice. And I ignore him, whatever. And then like the, a girl's like, hey, do you have a podcast? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, yeah, Todd. He's got it. It's him. All right. Can we just get get this over with? <laughs> so it's like, hey, hey, man, how's it going? But yeah, that's like the it's always like he drag. They're in town for something, usually with a girl. He drags her there. <laughs> She's like, can we fucking do this already? Because now we're just like in the corner looking at at this guy who's sitting by himself at a bar. Like, do you think we could stop this? So she usually breaks the ice and then uh, either we stay or it's like on their way out. So. Um, but yeah, it happens. And then sometimes it's the uh, the old um, distance, long distance jukebox um, donation from somebody. Yep. So those are the two things, really. All right. Cool. Yeah. I love, I love, can we leave now? All right. Uh, bachelor party question here. All right. Six foot, 165, 35 years old. Body looks like runner uh, with athletic gear on. But when you pop the top of the shirt, Makes for slight muffin tops. Married out of my league, and we're adding a player to the dugout soon. That means she's pregnant, Kyle. I think all of us understood that. Yeah, we got it. The issue at hand is deciding whether to be the bigger man or not. I played college sports, not for the podcast. Okay, he tells us where. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. All right, and live with some other guys for all four years. We went to different big cities after graduation, but have seen each other about twice a year since. All right, he's 31. My wife and I are getting married. Uh, we're getting married Labor Day weekend of 2020. Uh, which was in the air for COVID. So we kept the date, but just had family and wedding party. The bachelor party was the beginning of July, 2020, as COVID had ramped up and people were understandably cautious. I invited the guys uh, to, into where I live. Most came, but one friend in question here did not. He lives a four-hour drive away, but cited COVID and didn't come. I understood. I shortly after found out from a buddy that was in another bachelor party that one week later, he'd flown across the country, albeit a better location, and made it. No mask or anything. Love this guy, but this is typical on his behalf. Does what he wants when he wants and doesn't make any sacrifices, if not for himself or his fiance. His bachelor party is coming up. Do I go? My wife is due in six weeks after the date of the bachelor party. Could use that as an excuse. Suri's going to say life is too short. Kyle will say fuck him. Rosillo, I think you'll lean on going. All right, look, we... Um, we definitely have one guy in the group that was like this. Everything was on his terms, always on his terms, always on his terms. You know, he had a lot of money growing up and eventually he and I, uh, there's no relationship whatsoever. Uh, and I was never invited to anything. And so I, I didn't really host a ton of cool shit because my parents didn't have awesome setups. So um, that wasn't like I was inviting anybody to do anything, but it didn't dawn on me until I kind of looked back retroactively. I'm like, yeah, that kind of sucked. That kind of sucked. But people... You're going to have, if you have enough friends, you're going to have that friend that's in the group that you feel like you're always kind of, you know, figuring out ways to make sure they're okay because that's it. It gets a little exhausting, but that's not really what this is. Okay. What this really is about is you denying yourself a weekend with the rest of the guys that you seemingly still get along with really well. And I'm telling you, these weekends start to disappear. All right. I would pay a large sum of money for like my six or seven closest best friends to all get together for a weekend. And I'm just talking about like I would pay the price of attendance and then whatever else it would take because they're almost impossible now uh, at my age, like to get that many guys together. So at 31, I'm telling you, 
cherish these moments where everybody's going to be able to get together. And just because it's his fucking party, who cares? You're still going to get to see everybody else that's there. So go into it with that. Yeah, he wanted to go to something else, you know? And if the other thing that he went to was going to be awesome compared to the thing that you were doing, you know, I, I can admit that there'll be some things that may come up where I go, hey, sorry, man, that I can't make it to this because I'm definitely going to this instead. And if you do it all the time, then maybe you don't become friends anymore. Maybe you could call that person selfish. I totally, you're not, you're not wrong to feel these things. But what I would say is to spite yourself, I think we do this far too often, to spite yourself the enjoyment of a weekend with all your buddies as these become few and far between as you get older and older and the kids start coming around. Don't do that out of spite because you're going to love the option. You're going to wish you had this option in another five or six years as you guys all get older. So go. I was going to say something that was kind of the opposite, but I think you you kind of won me over. But did he say that his baby's going to be six weeks old by the time he's leaving or his baby's due six weeks after the bachelor party is? I forget if it was at whichever end this was on. But either way, I don't think that um, that the wife would Six would weeks love. after. Six weeks uh, after. So uh, I don't know. That might That might suck too, right? I mean, uh, I think the wife would be far more upset after the kid were born. Mm -hmm. But again, I don't know. I don't want to get in an argument with pregnant wives yeah, on this. I, I agree. Not, what not, I was going to say was, of this. what I was going to say is just say you can't go and cite COVID. I thought that would have been hilarious. But uh, <laughs> just do the exact same one. You don't have to say my kid or whatever. Just that COVID, dude. That would be hilarious if you're Still like, crazy hey, out there. this COVID thing, I'm just, <laughs> I want to just check off every precautionary box. So, And then like really get after it that weekend and post <laughs> everything on Instagram. See you in 23. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, Ryan, I'm with you. I think you nailed everything. I mean, unless you're like Russell Westbrook level petty and you're not going to be able to have a good time because you're going to be so annoyed with this guy, then yeah, all right, maybe don't go. But if you just want to hang out and have a good time and you're having a kid, like I'm, I got a couple bachelor parties coming up this year with some close friends and they're like some of the things that I look forward to most, like even more than the weddings. Like it's not, not even that we're doing anything crazy. One of them we're going to, I think we're going to Burlington actually, Ryan, we're just going to hang out on, on the lake and just hang out and drink and just be together. Uh, you're right. Those the older you get, like we've been trying to plan a vacation with my friends for like five years now and shit just doesn't work out. So the, you need to take advantage of these times when you can just have like a dude's weekend. And this is one of them. And honestly, even if you go, fuck that guy, you don't have to talk to him the entire time. Just talk to your other friends. So I would say enjoy yourself unless you're going to be super petty. Anything else? No. Okay. Seems pretty straightforward. This is just a follow-up that apparently, you know, this is what's so great about the podcast, especially, you know, recent history of it and uh, just the audience, you know, and the numbers and everything. Uh, how many people hadn't heard the Dirk Bentley story? So we had a lot of follow-up to that. And so that's great. And I'm, I'm glad everybody appreciated it. And they actually posted uh, the story from Dirk's Instagram account, which I can pretty much guarantee you he doesn't run. So <laughs> <laughs> I would guarantee that he wasn't like, hey, let me get a shout out to the podcast here. But it's a great story. It's an inspiring story. And um, that's great. And so we had one guy chime in. It was just too good. So I'm glad Kyle sent this one over. He said, listen to your story about unsupportive friends at Dirk Bentley last week. It reminded me of a story my boss told me a few years back about one of his close friends from college who was friends with Jim Henson, the Muppets guy, back in the mid-70s. Apparently, three or four months before he caught national attention and blew up, him, the friend, and a few guys staged what was tantamount to an intervention to get him to chill with the whole frog and pig thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so good. That's so good.
We have an announcement at the end of the podcast, too, but we'll do this one quick. 6'2", 180, 185 bench, long arms, also not that strong. 32, hair recently started receding. Beard just started graying. Fathering young kids is starting to show on my gut and face. Needless, I'm not 21, nor do I look it. One of my biggest pet peeves is getting carded at restaurants or bars. These are not the college or spring break places in an era uh, that inevitably carry more liability for serving minors. Oftentimes, once momentum has been gained with a bartender after the initial meet and greet and the first drink is ordered, that momentum is lost through the request to see an ID is made. But having the ID ready at a less busy, more sophisticated establishment never seems to work out socially either and makes me feel like a loser. I've started tipping accordingly. Am I being a dick? The other night, I took my family to a mid-level American fair suburban bar grill, which is the <laughs> best description of Chili's I've ever heard of. Uh, the kids are obviously mine, or maybe Applebee's on a date night. All right. The kids are obviously mine. My oldest, who's seven, was calling me dad. Clearly, I'm not under 21. Well, you know. The waiter, who was about my age or younger, took drink orders for everyone and then asked to see my ID while I started fiddling with my youngest, who was in a high chair. The annoyance clearly showed in my face when I begrudgingly pulled out my wallet with one hand whilst holding my 18-month-old. He then proceeded to annoyingly scan the identification for far longer than he needed to and flipping it over multiple times. Needless to say, his tip greatly reflected my annoyance at the circumstance. Sounded like this guy left maybe an 11 percenter here. Uh, I certainly know it's the law, but what about the unwritten social law that bartenders and wait staff need to be cool and able to read the room? What type of ID checker was a younger Rosillo cooler cautionary? Uh, I was not cautionary. That was sort of policy at the time, the places that I worked at. Um, although one place in the vineyard that I worked at was a little bit more upscale. We had to you know, we had it. But by the way, back then, technology was pretty easy. You'd be like, oh, stencil. Got it. New Jersey profile pick. 90s. Those whoever was pumping out those New Jersey IDs made a killing. Anyway, uh, you know what I'm going to tell you on this one? If you look that young at 31 that you're constantly getting carded all the time, just understand the annoyance now is going to be worth it for how good you're going to look when you're 50. That's it. You know, like I saw the picture you hear. You look like a young guy. You just look young. You're going to want to look young as you get older. So, yeah, it sucks. And it's a little bit extra. And you probably built it up in your head. You, you're pre-annoyed because you're expecting to happen because it's happening to you all the time. Um, yeah, it'd be great if the person could read the room a little bit better. But the fact that you're holding a, uh, an 18-month-old and you have a 7-year-old that's calling you dad and the fucking server still can't figure it out that you're not 21, that means you're going to look so much better than everybody else when you get to your 40s and your 50s that's the way you should look at it. Be happy about this, even if it's slightly annoying. And you know what? Hopefully you're at least 15%. That's all. Anything else? I just think you should master the, um, the like one word. Like I, I've, I've done it too, where it's like, sometimes it's with cigarettes. It's like, I come in here all the time, whatever. I know, I know if I forget my wallet and have to use Apple pay at my go-to 7-Eleven and it's 50% of the chance, depending on who's, which one's working in there. I'm, they're just going to say no. And, and that's fine. So, and I get it for that because there's cameras on you all the time, but you know, when, when people are like, can I see your ID or something? I mean, I'm 28, so it's really not, it's not crazy, but I'll just do like the, all right. Like I won't do it like me in mean way, but I, I think I've actually mastered. I think I'm actually elite at it. If you will, is this the like, uh, all right thing where I'm a little surprised and they get, they get it. So I think just get better at doing that all the time. All right. So, Rudy, you're a young-looking dude. Yeah, no, I, I feel like I probably am in a similar thing to this guy. But I, I don't, especially places like that, like the big chains, whatever, like they have to be extra careful about this. So I think that like they'll cart people in their 40s and 50s, I feel like, at certain establishments, just because it's the law and they have to cart everybody because they don't want to like 
you know, make it seem like, you know, they're only carding people who are young. They're, we're carding everybody. There are no questions asked. Everybody has to deal, deal with this and just deal with it or don't come to our restaurant. I think that's kind of the deal. And my only thing was like, I wonder if people actually like try to scam by bringing in kids like 18 year olds or like bring in their like, you know, their kid brother and be like, oh, yeah, this is my kid. Like, I'm able to drink. I wonder if that's ever been like a scam before. Maybe this person has gone through that and seen and they're trying to read through your scam. But like, clearly, it's not that big of a deal if you just take your wallet out, show your ID and move on and have a drink. Like, chill out, dude. That's what I would say. Yeah, you just made me think of an entirely different story. But it's funny how depending on who you're with, like if you're younger, but you're at a fancy dinner, some people may not card you. You know, I remember I got a hotel with my girlfriend when I was a freshman in college. It was literally packed a weekend bag and walked across the street to like a Sheridan. You know, we we're going to have our own formal, I guess. And then we ordered champagne to the room. And, you know, we'd already gotten beers from somebody older or something. And the hotel didn't care. Like they, they rolled in the champagne and were like, whatever. And then, of course, I think she got a stomach ache and it ruined the entire night. But um, I remember, but this actually has nothing to do with it, but I, I don't know. I'm trying to think, is that my first beer? I, I don't know how old I was. I might have been 14. And I was, you know, laying brick all day out back, hot day, you know, getting a couple of ice waters in you throughout the day, just trap rock dust, pat it down, rubber mallet out there, making sure the edges are all in line, snapping a tape, checking your levels, pitch it away from the from the foundation a little bit. And then the guy came out and just started handing out high lifes. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> then the guy handed me a high life. I didn't know what to do, you know? And then he said, after he gave it to me, he was like, wait to the foreman. Cause it wasn't my dad. I was working. I got like subbed out for a week on this thing. And the guy was like, wait, is he old enough? And then the guy was like, by the way, the other guy loved a drink, so he didn't give. A, he was just like, "Yeah, he's old enough." And I remember, like, I remember taking a sip of it, being like, "Fucking people drink this. This is awful." Like, can I get, you know, can I get? I think I just held onto the thing the entire time. Then you get older, you start to like. It. So there you go, Big full time, circle. Yeah. Okay. Thanks to everybody, Kyle and Steve, Ringer, Spotify, and yes, we edited out a life advice that we did. That's maybe the best one we've ever done, but we all collectively agreed. I just don't, I don't know. We just don't want to even invite into anything of, of being critical of us in this spot for not understanding something. So uh, maybe I shouldn't even be fucking talking about it now. Who knows? The lost tapes. The if lost tapes. start a Patreon, it'll be there. Yeah, there you one go. Day, this will get, yeah, it'll get dropped on YouTube somewhere. Yep. Show us. We need the missing life advice. <laughs> we didn't even give any advice. We just read the email. No, we're like, we're no, stopped. No, we're out. There was nothing to be said. Yep. We got done. We had a great time. Then we looked at each other and said, can we air that? We said, we probably could, but there's always a 1% chance somebody will try to take this and turn it into something that it clearly isn't. And so we're not taking that chance. So there you go. The lost tapes. Please subscribe. We'll be back on Thursday. Loaded podcast next couple of days. It's, uh, Thursday and then Tuesday again. Bill and I every Sunday. Bye.